Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com slash give. Enjoy the message. <laughs> How are you doing today? Good, you're doing well. Enjoying the weather? Oh, hallelujah. Yeah, you're welcome. I was in Florida. I brought it back yep. uh, with me. If you're new around here, I'm Ben. I'm the lead pastor. And uh, this is hey. my wife, uh, Carrie. <laughs> and uh, we actually just got back from Florida because we uh, had, were celebrating our 25th anniversary. Yep. Daughter graduated from college and all of that. And uh, we just uh, thought it would be great as we really want to honor moms this weekend. Uh, I think it's just weird sometimes just for a guy to talk about that. And so that we would really talk about that together. But before we do anything else, can, uh, can we give it up for the moms here? Can yes. We... So important. So important. Such a big job. Yeah. Well, in honor of that, uh, I came across this. In fact, maybe I shared these a few years ago. Uh, some momilies. Do you know what momilies are? They're sort of like homilies. They're bite-sized sermons. Uh, and I don't know if you'll relate to any of these. I think you might. Uh, if, you, if you do, uh, you can uh, maybe help finish it. Momilies are like a sermon in a sentence uh, where a mom would say something like, the kids only make fun of you because they're jealous of you instead of you're weird. That's why the kids make fun of you. Uh, and uh, here's one. Don't sit close to the TV. It will... Your eyes. Oh, thanks a lot. You're a lot of help tonight, aren't you? <laughs> uh, don't sit too close to the TV. It will ruin your eyes. Ruin your eyes. Yeah, that's the right one. Uh, don't run with a stick. You'll. Yeah. <laughs> don't cross your eyes. They'll. Isn't it weird how much this has to do with your eyes? Uh, and here's a non-vision related one. Uh, always put on clean underwear in case. Yeah, in case. Isn't that, like, thanks a lot, Mom. You know, I'm lying out there on a gurney, and the thing I'm really worried about, am I impressing the people with my clean uh, underwear or not? Moms are fun. Moms are amazing. And they have really what can be one of uh, the most difficult jobs, uh, but significant jobs in, in, in the world. Yep, absolutely. I'm sure uh, all of us can say we've learned a few things from our mom, right? Some good things, maybe some not so so good things. It's so funny now with having girls that are 18 and 22, um, some of the things that you see of yourself and your kids, some really great things and then some things that make you cringe a little bit. We had a lot of that on our vacation this weekend where we'd see... Uh, a little bit of us peeking through in our kids. So that was a lot of fun. It was all oh, awesome. My it goodness. really was. It was great. Crazy. <laughs> um, so I want you guys to see a picture of my mom. So this is my family growing up. Now that looks like it should be like an extended family, right? Uh, no, that's just us. I had six brothers and four sisters. And my mom is that beautiful woman right there in the middle with the, the checkered suit on. 
She was amazing. I mean, to raise 11 kids, that in and of itself, but my folks um, owned three businesses and ran them, and there is 25 years difference between the oldest child and the youngest. So she was at this mom thing for a long time, and she honestly really was superwoman. She, um, I think the well, thing... You figured out, how, how many years was she pregnant? Did you oh my gosh, it was like 11 and a half years of being pregnant. It was Which crazy. Which doesn't seem too bad. <laughs> yeah, gosh, says the man <laughs> in the house. <laughs> <laughs> but um, my mom really was probably one of the most selfless people ever, um, and also probably one of the strongest. You see those big brothers there? They were all pretty big, and she kept them all in line. She was amazing. So I learned a lot from my mom. And uh, a couple things that uh, actually I ran across this that actually reminded me of my mom, but uh, these are things my mother taught me, not necessarily my mom, but sort of funny. My mother taught me religion. When I spilled grape juice on the carpet, she instructed me, you better pray that stain comes out. <laughs> my mom taught me irony. Keep laughing, and I'll give you something to cry about. My mom taught me about the weather. It looks like a tornado went through your room. And last, my mom taught me about the circle of life. I brought you into this world and I can take you out. And that actually was for my mom. My mom threatened that up and especially with all, all the boys, uh, for sure all the boys. But uh, the whole thing is, is really when you think about being a mom, whether it's you're thinking about your own mom or for those of us in the room that are moms, um, it's a big job and it's an important job and it's a hard job. I think about, you know, really I feel like it's an honor to be a mom in a lot of ways. I think a lot of my self-identity comes from being a mom. You know, it's such a big piece of who you are. Uh, it's part of my life that I really love. I think it's probably one of the things that God uses most in my life to develop my prayer life. I have never prayed harder than uh, after I became a mom, especially after my girls got driver's license. That definitely causes you to pray a lot. And, and, and some of those prayers didn't work sometimes either. Yeah, um, oh boy, yeah, it's the truth. It's the truth. But really above all, I think um, one of the things I've learned along the way is really being a mom is a divine assignment. It's such a, a big thing. It's, it's, it's a ministry, really. Being a mom is a ministry. I think because it has such um, spiritual significance and really can impact our kids for eternity, how we parent them. Um, it's not a job to be taken lightly, but it really is a cool job that we can do with Jesus. And so um, I want, I guess, for every mom in this room today to come away. Um, if you hear nothing else, know that what you do matters, that it really, really matters. And what you uh, give to your kids is so significant, whether they're two years old or... 42 years old. So um, our theme for tonight and for this weekend is uh, taken from Proverbs 31. Uh, and it's really our prayer for you uh, as we go through this weekend. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Proverbs 31, 28. The problem for most of us, though, is, is that we lack confidence or we need encouragement and assurance to uh, really live that out. So we're going to start with a couple of mom myths as Ben and I get started tonight. Uh, let's look at a couple of those. The first one, it's in your um, outline if you want to pull those out of your program. The first myth, mom myth, is you can have it all. Now, you can't, just in a nutshell. We cannot have it all. Uh, we can have some of it. We can do a little bit of it. We can have it all in a series, but not all at once. We can't 
you know, have careers and amazing well-adjusted kids and be training for a marathon and, I don't know, all the things that we think, sleep eight and a half hours every night, all those things that kind of the world tells us that we can do, we can't really do it all um, at the same time because really it's, it's about making our choices and what our priorities are going to be. And when we submit our priorities to what God's priorities are, uh, we get something even better than having it all. And, and that, that's not to make people feel you know, guilty about, like, because one of the things that uh, I, I think is cool are the opportunities that women get in business Absolutely. and careers. And that's, uh, th- that's a good thing. But there's always a choice. And the same Absolutely. thing for a dad, too, you know, that uh, we've seen people, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, the hobby or career or kids and, and all the things we have to do is we'll make choices and some things we're going to uh, not do as well and mm-hmm. we're going to choose I sort of choose to cheat. I think when we moved here... Yeah, uh, I had a bit of a painful reminder of that, honestly. So, so uh, Terry, uh, she works now for Microsoft, but she worked for an engineering firm uh, that uh, has built, a lot, built all the Nordstrom stores or designed a lot of them and mm-hmm. all of that. And uh, when she came back, she had stayed at home with our kids. One of the choices we made, uh, well, she worked part-time, mm-hmm. uh, especially when... Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that was just so we could afford luxuries like food. <laughs> so the, uh, but, but, the uh, but her assistant, your assistant. From uh, way back then. Uh, from then, had now become vice president of the company you were working for. Mm-hmm. And that had sort of been your dream. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it does cost you a little bit. Um, and I feel like a little bit, you know, I'm kind of starting over with my career again and, and all that. But I honestly, I don't regret it. When I look at my kids, I don't regret the time that I invested in raising them. Yeah. You know. Well, the other myth is this, is that people will give you A for effort. Uh, it, and you say, what do you mean people? We know, we know people, uh, it doesn't happen much on the east side, but do you know that other parts of the country, parents judge other parents? Did you know that? Uh, yeah, yeah, so where there's people, and, and, and it always comes at your worst moment, doesn't it? Your worst parenting moment, and uh, people are going to, uh, uh, to judge you right when your kids are throwing a temper tantrum or uh, something like that. This morning we had a reminder of that on our flight coming in from Florida. This poor young couple had this little baby that screamed for six hours straight. Yeah, and people were really kind about that, all turning around and giving dirty looks to him. It was sad, poor yeah. little baby. And that really is the third myth is that this will be manageable. Uh, being a parent in general, uh, mom more so than a dad, uh, I would say, uh, even if both are working full time, mm-hmm. uh, is that there's all sorts of demands that go with it. Uh, when uh, you want to go do something, they want to take a nap. When you want to take a nap, they want to play. <laughs> and that's sort of how it works. Yeah. And it's not just schedules and nap times. Uh, it's uh, other things that can be hard to be man uh, to manage. Yeah. Uh, managing your relationship, especially mm-hmm. when kids are young. Hey, do any of you have uh, kids who are uh, pre five and under? Any of you have five and under? Yeah, that is the uh, that is one of the most wonderful times, but it's also a challenging time <laughs> yeah, it's as tricky. well. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, 
And the, the, the hard part, though, is that one of the myths that people have is that it might not be worth it. Mm. And, uh, and I know that uh, some people think that not because you don't love your kids, or, uh, but because of the physical and emotional demands uh, that there can be. So what I want to do is I want to look at an odd mom story with a powerful point. Uh, and if you're a church person, uh, I wasn't raised in church, so I didn't really know this story. But if you're a church person, you've probably heard this story, but maybe not thought about this uh, portion of it. And I uh, want to uh, go, it's from the book of Exodus, uh, chapter 2. It's a longer passage, but it's worth, worth looking at. It says, now a, a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, which I like that. There's a little bit of East Side in the Old Testament, isn't there? You know? <laughs> I have a fine child. So uh, uh, she hid him for three months. So what's going on there? Why is she hiding her child? Well, there was this evil uh, dictator in the Middle East, I know, hard to imagine, <laughs> and so uh, that, had, uh, that uh, had these ambitions to really uh, be not only apart from God, uh, but to, to rule in, in a brutal way. And he enslaved the nation of Israel, and when they started to multiply, uh, his go the way he was going to control the population was by killing all the little boys. And we read, but when she could no longer hide him, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in the Nile and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. Uh, her, his sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. And it's sort of funny, as you look at this, you'd think this was all uh, maybe providential. I'm sure some of it was. Uh, or accidental? Mm. Yeah, I don't think it really was. I think it was a combination. If you look at really what's happening here, is this this mom knows where this princess is going to be bathing, and uh, says, "Hey, I can't raise this child. They're going to come and really kill my child." And so she comes up with this other plan. But what amazing faith, too, at the same time. I mean, can you imagine sending off your infant in this little basket, just hoping that everything works out? It's yeah. a big deal. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were uh, walking along the riverbank. When she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it, she opened up uh, and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse it for me, and I will pay you, which is really the only time a mom has gotten paid uh, ever so, to take care of their own child. Uh, so, uh, uh, so the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. And so here's what, uh, if you get in that passage that what is happening is that she's doing all she can for her child. Uh, she, she raises him, and she gets really mm -hmm. none of the credit by the people around her. And that's really our underlying premise, is uh, we are trustees for a season. The whole thing is, is God really, our Father, He entrusts us with these little ones for a season of life. Uh, we get to care for them, we get to raise them, 
but really our kids are not ours, they're his. And uh, that's an amazing perspective to keep as we have our little ones. Uh, we see this even when Jesus dedicated, was dedicated by his own parents to God in worship. It says in Luke 2.22 that when the time came, Joseph and Mary took him, meaning Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. So they did the same thing. They, they acknowledged, this is not our child, this is your child, God, and how, how amazing that is. And that's, that's honestly why we do child dedications even today is following that same same. Uh, example that we had uh, in scripture. So it just gives us a whole new perspective as we look at our kids and we see the value that God places on them and such a, a gravity to what we do as, as parents, um, which honestly can be a little daunting if you really think about it. But at the same time, I hope it encourages you and inspires you a little bit too, uh, that what an honor it is that we get to raise God's kids. That's pretty awesome. So, how about a couple things that I wish that they would have told me about being a mom? Um, here's the first one in your outline. Is uh, The first one is, you will mess up. There's some encouragement for you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the quote uh, that, uh, I, I don't know who, who it was uh, by, the person said, before I got married, I had six theories about bringing up children. Now I have six children and no theories. <laughs> Isn't that true? true? Uh, and think of this crazy story in the Bible where uh, you have this mom, uh, Rebecca, and she actually pits her sons against each other, uh, thinking that she's showing love for her son. And you look at that and you say, that is messed up. I would never do anything that bad. And, and, I, and I, hope, I hope we wouldn't. But we all do things uh, that we re regret as parents. Mm -hmm. And I think the good news in it is, is really that God parents with us. Uh, so those places where we do mess up, God will fill in the gaps. God will uh, sneak in and, and fill in those, those places where we don't do so well. Um, so I hope that that feels better for you uh, because it's true when we allow him into our family. And ultimately, our job really is to point our kids to Jesus. How, how do you think God has done that for Oh, gosh, in so many ways, so many ways. So our girls, uh, thankfully, we have pretty great girls, and we've been through a bunch of stuff with them, both, both uh, some really great things and some really hard things, health things, I mean, car accidents, I mean, all kinds of things. Um, and even, you and, know... And even some bad behavior they inherited from your side of the family. I think family. it was his side of the family, yeah, actually. Yeah. They followed their dad's so, example. Yeah. I had to, you know, train him right out of that. <laughs> But um, God has shown up in such cool ways because the places where we couldn't um, do what our girls needed, God really as their heavenly father stepped in and did what they needed. Um, he also used our church family. Gosh, I think about how many great people um, through different kids ministry all the way up through student ministry, leaders that invested in our girls that um, God used in really powerful ways to um, really, I guess, complement our family. Um, they could talk with them about things that they couldn't talk to us about, or um, and, and, just so and many here, Here's the thing, because we're, like, if you're new around here, we're, we don't do the guilt trip thing to get you no. to behave. Uh, and so sometimes I don't think I say this thing that probably, it's like a hard thing you need to hear, and it's important, and because I don't want to do the guilt trip. But if you have kids 
and uh, you're here in church, so you get an A. You're here in church <laughs> on a sunny day. I mean, you're, you're all going to heaven, I guess. No, the, uh, uh, but, 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 but I've seen parents disconnect from Christian community, uh, and what, when they do, uh, there's not that support system mm-hmm. to help them during difficult times and decisions. At least that support system that will point them in the direction that God wants them to. Yeah, absolutely. And so, uh, whenever someone's leaving, like uh, we had a fam- family, I hate this time of year because families move away. And it's sort of funny, no one ever moves away to Detroit or Minneapolis. They always <laughs> move to San Diego or something like that. And, and I always say, find a great church. And here's what I say. It has, so I'll, I'll pretend like you're not in the room. Uh, as I say, uh, it really does, it doesn't matter. You don't matter. It matters that your kids are in a place where they fall in love with Jesus. And, uh, you know, their sports, you got to navigate that. But if you let that win out, know that support system will not be there and uh, will help you pick up the pieces. But it's better if you make the decision now uh, to invest uh, because that can't be done on the fly. Yep, absolutely. And so when we've had uh, other parents, like when, when we mess up or we, they, they have other people who are in their life. Absolutely. And so we, as a parent, I just think that's the most one of the most important things you can do is help the environment that your kids are around. Not mm-hmm. this cloistered environment keeping from all the bad people of the world, but just people who love them and will pray for them. Absolutely. Yep. Agreed. All right. Number two, it's about serving, not controlling. And this one I'm preaching to myself. That tends to be my, <laughs> my problem. I love, I'm a I bit of a controller. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think... You know, some of us are a little bit control freaks, and, and we like to uh, give our kids lots of direction, and um, that's not always a good thing. Uh, in fact, it says in Psalm 127.3, children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from Him. And I think when we have that perspective and understand that they, they really are the Lord's, um, we let God be the one that guides and controls, and we we, we get to be the cheerleaders and the, the um, I love uh, in, is it Psalm 23, it talks about their rod and their staff, you know, it, it, it uh, comforts me. Kind of, we're supposed to shepherd our kids too, and the rod was always used to guide the sheep. And that's, that's really kind of our role as parents, is we get to guide them, but God's really the one that gets to, to and, and do the heavy work. And I would say this too, because we've known good parents uh, who've really, as far as I could see, have done their absolute yeah. best. Mm-hmm. And, and, and things are challenging, and they're difficult. And we see, you know, other parents, not that we judge other people, but the, <laughs> <laughs> that you're like, their kids turned out great, and they're like barely trying. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, you know, there's, some, there's the choices along the way, and it's hard. I mean, no one ever takes a baby home and says, oh, you know, someday you're going to be in therapy yeah. or maybe <laughs> rehab, you know. <laughs> but but those, those challenging times happen, and the question is, is what are we going to do with them, and how are we going to let God in the middle of all of that? And the, really the thing is, is it's such a reflection when we raise our kids of, of our relationship with God. Isn't that just how he is with us? You know, we... Uh, sometimes don't make the greatest choices and he guides and, and brings us uh, back to him and um, I think uh, just as we 
as we uh, look at our kids, and I think about like when my kids were born, and that love that I had for that little baby, that's the same love that God has for us. He feels exactly the same way about us. And when our kids do really well, and you know, we're proud of them, God has that same feeling towards us when we do something good and right that he's proud of. You know, I think it's a, uh, such a tangible example when we're raising kids of how um, our relationship is with God as well. It, because there's always, w- when our kids fail, it's not like we'd say there's no way back. And when we're in that place, maybe you're in that place. My guess is this weekend, I'm going to be talking to a number of people who feel like that they're in that place. Mm-hmm. Is that God always provides a way back uh, because we're, we're called his children. Um, now, now, in the midst of all of this, just parenting in general is you'll make some trade-offs. Uh, there's, and we talked about that a little bit er, er, earlier. You can't have it all. Uh, you can't have... It, it always costs us something, whether it's sleep, uh, promotion, <laughs> time together, uh, time alone. Mm-hmm. It's so funny, like even now with being an empty nester, uh, which people say, well, how's, how are you doing? And I'm like, it's awesome. <laughs> it's like, yeah, wait, wait, hold on. Let me act a little sad so you don't mm-hmm. think I'm a sociopath. <laughs> but no, it's awesome. And, but there were times where, uh, where we didn't get as much time together. And, yeah, and those absolutely. were rare. And, and we always knew that it was going to be for a season. Mm-hmm. And you make those trade-offs uh, for... Uh, for that season. I love what it says, and let's skip down in James 3.13 in the message. It says, live well, live wisely, live humbly. It's the way you live, not the way you talk that counts. Mm-hmm. And so part of that is those trade-offs. And, and number four, we've talked about this already a little bit, is you will need uh, help. And, you know, here's the thing, is help comes in lots of different forms. I think one of the things that um, we try to work really hard at at a church is to be a help to the families and uh, that are here. You know, we, we've spent a lot of resources and things to make sure our kids' ministry is really great. We want our student ministries to be awesome um, because we really want to come alongside families and support you as you, as you raise your kids. And um, we, you know, both Ben and I, uh, growing up in high school, we both came to Christ. And uh, we're so thankful for the church people that invested in us. So we want to make sure that every kid that walks through the doors of this building, that not only is it the best hour of their week, but that this is a great, healthy, wonderful place for them and for you as a family. Um, so that's, that's part of the, the, the help that and, and we want to offer. I think that part of the, the barrier to entry for some of us in our spiritual lives to going to the next level is what keeps us is we, we look, you know, we'll see these people, oh yeah, they say, I was raised in this wonderful Christian home, and so was I, and then we started praying together as a family when we were every night, and we read the Bible to, together, and you're like, okay, I'm starting from such a disadvantage, not only did I not have that, mm-hmm. uh, we didn't even, uh, you know, people say, how do you raise a pastor's kids? We didn't even know how to raise Christian kids, <laughs> and so, uh, mm-hmm. so it was something that cognizant and you're going to honestly, over the next few months, you'll see this when we start our family series next week, although this is the only week we're actually talking about parenting. The rest of family are sort of those broader issues that apply to all of us. Uh, but, but just those resources for mm-hmm. all of us to take a step 
no matter where we're at spiritually and as a family as well. I think the great thing is too is we're at a point in history right now where there are so many good options and resources out there. Gosh, there's so many good books on um, parenting and family and um, we have great lists of, of Christian counselors if you need um, any kind of resource like that. We want to come alongside you and help you with that. Uh, don't ever, I guess, don't ever feel shy or bad about that because we all we all need help yep. in different ways. And the other thing, too, that has been super um, important to me along the, the years is doing growth groups with other parents that are in the same life stage. So doing a study about parenting or about being a mom, um, that stuff has been incredibly helpful. So you'll know, notice we always have a growth groups quarter starting usually within eight, 10 weeks of whatever point of year it is. And um, usually there's a couple good parenting ones. And if you don't see a parenting one, start one, get some of your friends together and there's great studies. And I think just that intentionality, God honors that so much when we get together uh, and help each other out. Well, the ultimate role of a parent is to reflect the love of God. Mm-hmm. And that's, um, you think about uh, kids, someone, I, I, I don't know who said it, is we really don't raise children, we're <laughs> raising adults, mm-hmm. and uh, we want them to be uh, great adults and uh, make wise decisions, make wise decisions uh, in, in their life uh, in every way. Is Stage one is parental direction. Uh, in, as a parent where we tell them what to do and then stage two is self-direction but stage three is God's direction where we want them to know uh, what God wants for their life and it reminds me of Mm -hmm. third John a verse and he's talking about people who are his uh, spiritual children but it relates to physical children as well he says I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth Psalm 78 4 says we will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power, and the wonders he has done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's such good stuff. I think, you know, really, uh, what we need to do is remember that, uh, really, like with Moses, going back to our our story, nobody really noticed the sacrifice of Moses' mom, you know, that she sent this little baby off on a a trip that ended up pretty pretty amazing, honestly. but that can be true of us as well. You know, that as moms, we don't always get the, the cheering section. Nobody really notices some days how hard we work and all that we do. Um, but God does notice. And we notice. It's, it's a, I mean, that's, that's the thing about the story in the Bible. Uh, that when, when we say no one noticed around him, uh, God noticed. And that's why it's in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And think about it, that the first five books of the Bible... Uh, uh, at least most of them uh, were penned uh, by Moses, which was her son. Yeah. And so he, as God, through his divine direction, told him his story. Part of it was the story of, of his mom, how she loved him and cared for him and took no credit, gave God all the credit so he could be the man uh, that God had called him to be. And I think that's uh, an encouragement, and I hope it is uh, to you. Well, as we, uh, as we hear stories, uh, some of those stories come right in the midst of challenges. And uh, I want you to hear the stories of just one of the great moms who, who uh, 
came to the church, was raised sort of in a church household, but God had not been part of her life as much personally. Mm-hmm. And uh, just how through those challenges, uh, God walked with her. Hi, my name is Rachel. So I was adopted from India uh, when I was nine months old. Grew up here uh, in Redmond, went to school in Redmond. Based, uh, my whole life is based here. Um, grew up in a somewhat Christian home. My grandparents raised my parents and, or my mom and my aunt to, and their whole family really to love the Lord. But I feel like church was never really a strong uh, thing to impose except for holidays back in July of 2011. I was going through a very hard time. I had my son, 30 weeks gestational. Um, He was born premature. We found out that Ethan's heart was just not functioning the way that it was. Everything was just wrong. Um, And he was, right then and there, he was in congenitive, congenitive heart failure. As a mom, when I found out that Ethan's health was not as planned, I freaked out. He had been on the list for at least a couple weeks and there was nothing. And I remember I went home and I just remember sobbing. And I remember just pleading and sobbing and crying. And I was, it was in me and Ethan's room and I had his stuff and it was just, I was clinging to it and it was just, I think at that moment is when I really just surrendered everything and I said, I can't do this, I need you, help me now. After I said yes to Jesus, it's like I, I don't know, everything in me just, I I changed. And they said, we're really sorry we had to call you back, but actually we're not because we have a heart and it's on its way right now. The feeling, I remember my mom hitting the floor saying praise Jesus. I remember me just being flooded with all these emotions, but pure joy was just was one of them. The surgery itself, we were told was going to take 8 to 11 hours. It was done successfully in five. Without any complications, they said the heart fit like a glove, like it was made for him. You can't tell me that that's something else that has to only be from God. Looking back at it now, it's a beautiful hurricane that could only be crafted and navigated by the hands of God. Jesus has been there through thick and thin, and I feel like he just needs more credit on his capabilities, because he can work miracles that even I'm still like, wow, you did that. Only God can do that. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.